Good morning. My name is Leah Pavel. I'm one of the pastors here. My husband, Josh, who is really like our primary teaching pastor, he's not here this morning. Um, you know, he's usually the one, he kind of misses out on some things, you know, here and there if, if uh, something's going on because he's usually up here teaching. This morning, our younger daughter has her end-of-season soccer tournament. <laughs> And so he actually wasn't scheduled for anything. So he got to go and, and take her instead of us, you know, sending her off <laughs> with, with another family or something. So he's just kind of enjoying that time watching um, her tournament and cheering her on. They may come in here a little late in a bit. We'll see. The game ended a while ago. I don't know what the result was. Um, but anyway, we'll see if they're able to join us. If you're visiting with us this morning, thanks for being here. Um, hope you can make yourself at home and just enjoy. If you like, I invite you. There's some in the seat back pockets there. There's some little welcome cards, connect cards that if you put your name and your email on, on there, I will just send you a welcome email um, saying, you know, thanks for being here. If there's any questions I can answer or anything like that. Um, and you can get a little more connected with us that way. So we're continuing on this morning in a series that we're calling Empowered. And this is a series that's a little unique for us because it's a series that there's a whole lot of vineyard churches doing together and teaching on the same topics at the same time, which is, which is really neat to me. Um, this morning, we're going to be talking specifically about spiritual gifts. Now, the point of this particular sermon isn't really to go into all of the different spiritual gifts and what their functions are and their use and all that. We've actually preached a number of different sermons on that. We have series archived online if you're interested in more of that. Um, but instead, this morning, we're really going to focus on how the Spirit empowers every one of us with his gifts kind of as a collective unit, and how those gifts are meant to be used in and for the benefit of the rest of the body to the glory of the Father. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can go ahead and grab them or your app or whatever. We're going to jump right in, reading a, a good chunk of scripture together. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. And so we'll start off with this and read this together to kind of set the tone. So 1 Corinthians 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We're going to come back to that verse 7 a couple of times throughout this sermon. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the, same, by the means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing, distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, 
but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So in the vineyard, we believe in the operation of all of the biblical spiritual gifts, and this is not an exhaustive list, by the way. There are other passages that include some others and talk about some other things. But we believe in the operation of all of the biblical spiritual gifts, whether in this passage or otherwise, in operation in the contemporary church. Okay? We don't believe that any of them have expired or that they've, you know, been, like, made irrelevant or retired by God. We don't believe they were closed down at any point, okay? We believe that every spiritual gift that the apostles and the disciples that the early church had and moved in are still available and in use by Holy Spirit-filled followers of Jesus today, okay? Now, we also believe, as these passages that we just read say, that every single Christian is endowed and empowered with spiritual gifts by God. Now, that doesn't mean that every Christian has every gift all the time, okay? But we do believe that spiritual gifts are a reality for every single follower of Jesus, for every believer, and that they are meant to be a consistent and regular manifestation of God's Spirit in our lives and our ministry and in the context of our body, thus the one body that is Christ, okay? Now, I acknowledge that there's lots of other believers who would disagree with us on this. I actually grew up in one of those churches, and so it wasn't until my adult life that I started learning about this. I'm like, oh, wait, there's, there's more to this whole thing, okay? And there's lots of confusion in the broader church about spiritual gifts and their use and their practice. Not only because we have an enemy whose purpose is to sow confusion and doubt and disbelief, right? But also because there are lots of folks who want to analyze the spiritual gifts without ever actually experiencing them, okay? Now, grace for them. Josh mentioned last week the, uh, the Asbury Revival. You know, we've kept talking about that because it's a really good example of a contemporary, um, recent revival, um, really neat stuff that was happening there. But if you were following that, and if you're on social, <coughs> excuse me, if you're on social media at all, there were all sorts of analysts who wanted to, like, scrutinize and debate about what was going on at Asbury, whether or not it was legit, whether or not the manifestations of God's presence and spirit there were real, whether these things were really happening, whether they were authentic or not. But guys, here's the thing. Christianity is not a window shopping kind of experience, okay? We can't just, like, stand on the outside looking in and judging whether or not, like, that shirt is going to fit us, okay? We have to come in and try it on and experience it and see, is this really a good fit? How does that fabric really feel to be in that thing and a part of that thing? So we're going to answer a couple of different questions this morning about spiritual gifts. We're going to start with this one about who gets these gifts and how is it that we get them? So the qualifications 
for being empowered with spiritual gifts are first, and it feels obvious, but we need to remember this, we actually have to receive God's spirit. That's the source of all of this, right? We need to be born again followers of Jesus. That's the battery that makes all of this possible. Have you ever had a kid like come to you really frustrated with a toy that wouldn't work, that wouldn't turn on, that wouldn't do the things it was supposed to do, and you flip it over only to realize, well, there's no batteries in it. Of course it's not working. Of course it's not doing the thing it's meant to do. Um, you get, most of you guys know the Stouts, uh, Matt and Morgan Stout. They're not here this morning, but we were hanging out with them last night, and their parents are visiting uh, this week because it was both Matt and their son Harvey's birthday this week and we were hanging out and I was talking with his mom Patty and if you've met Patty or gotten to talk with her very much you know that she is um, fluent in sign language. Her daughter actually was born deaf. She now has uh, cochlear implants but she has you know used sign language for a large part of her life is very very involved in um, ministry to deaf communities they have in their church she translates for a deaf population they have um, missions they do to jamaica if a, a like an actual deaf village and a deaf school it's really amazing all the ways that she has used this gift to honor the lord and serve others but she was telling me this story last night and it it was such a perfect example of what we're talking about here she was telling me how in one of their churches um, and this was a church where they had a very high deaf population. And it, it, I mean, you know, if you have someone who can translate, you know, it works great. Um, but one of the couples, there was a, a married couple who were both um, completely deaf, not just impaired, but couldn't, you know, no hearing at all. And they were actually the custodians of this church. And that she, Patty walked in one day and the lady is just being very diligent, diligent about cleaning the church in the lobby, and she's going to town with the vacuum cleaner vacuuming, but the power cord had come out. But because she couldn't actually hear the motor of the vacuum cleaner, she had no idea that the power cord had come unplugged and that the vacuum wasn't actually vacuuming. You know, and Patty had to go over and tell her, she said it was kind of a, a chuckle that she had, but she had to go over and tell her, your, your cord has come unplugged. It's not doing what it's meant to do. It's lost its power. And I just thought that was such a great example, um, you know, of this idea of trying to do anything in spiritual gifts without the power of the Holy Spirit empowering us to actually do this. That's how critical it is. And so trying to operate in these gifts without the empowerment of the, of the Spirit in our lives just makes no sense, really, right? None of this works. But there's someone in scripture who actually tried it. There's a guy mentioned in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, and his name is Simon the Sorcerer. Simon lived in Samaria, and he was a magician, a sorcerer. And he actually became a believer as a result of Philip's ministry and preaching in Samaria. But prior to that, he was a very effective but very arrogant and boastful sorcerer. And he really loved being known for his magic and known for his power, and he loved the attention that the Samaritan people gave him as a result of this power that he had. They actually called him things like he's, like he's a god. That's how they related to him and saw him. And so when Simon the sorcerer began following Philip and seeing all the amazing things that Philip did in his ministry in Samaria, he actually tried to buy Holy Spirit ministry from Philip and Peter and John who were there ministering together. Now, he had a reputation to maintain. He was used to being powerful. 
he was used to being known. He was used to having influence and seeing things happen at his hand. And these guys, he saw, had legitimate power. And he wanted that. But he wanted it by the wrong means. And so this didn't go over too well. Peter, I don't know if I have this one up there. I don't think I do. But Peter actually rebukes Simon very harshly. And he tells him, you will never have this gift or take part in this ministry because your heart is not right with God. Spiritual gifts are just that. They're gifts. We don't earn them. And they're not commodities to be purchased with money or merit or recognition or fame or anything else. The condition of our hearts is critical because gifts are for service. They're not for us to be known and have a name. They're not for notoriety. And so humility is absolutely essential here when we're talking about spiritual gifts. So spiritual gifts are not given to us based on our merit. They aren't rewards. This isn't like, you know, a Boy Scout reward. You did this and accomplished this, therefore you get this badge. But now we live in a world where we have to earn our way up usually, right? In our jobs, we have to kind of climb the ladder or whatever. You've got to move to the next level. You've got to be promoted. And we're actually getting ready to celebrate next month um, some of our graduates. Promotion Sunday is on June 11th, and this is a really fun time where anybody who's kind of like moving up into the next level, maybe, you know, from preschool to elementary or elementary to middle or graduating with a degree or something like that, and we get to celebrate them because they have worked really hard and they have earned this promotion, and we want to celebrate that with them. Um, so these folks, you know, they've, they've had to go to class and they've had to work hard. They've had to complete assignments and take tests and do projects and maybe some practical stuff. And they've done all of this and they've done well and they've gotten the grade and now they've earned this promotion to the next level, right? And our lives are so often so much like that, whether it's a sports team, well, you got to accomplish this and do this before you can go up to this position, right? But I think that sometimes because our lives are so much like that and run like that, that we forget that God's gifts don't work that way. It doesn't apply to these things because they aren't earned. We don't like level up to prophecy or mercy or teaching because we've been really consistent with our church attendance or we've given an extra tithe that month or we've read our Bible a whole lot or we've avoided that sin this week. You know, that's not how God does that. Romans 12. I want to read this passage to you, and it's going to be in a translation that you might not be as used to, um, just so that it kind of um, gives you a fresh look at what he's saying here. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, Honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard for measurement. So the standard for our measurement of our worth is based on God, not our promotion, our self-promotion, or our self-worth, or our pride. And then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. Now this is going to echo back to that Corinthians passage we just read. In the human body, there are many parts and organs each with a unique function, and so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all mingled into one body in Christ. 
This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts. So if God has given you, and I love this term that this translation uses, it's a little awkward to read it, but think of the meaning behind it. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive and serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. So because spiritual gifts aren't earned, because they're not based on our merit, they are functions, as this passage says so, so neatly, of God's grace alone. There's no place for pride or self-importance in their use. Again, the importance of holding all of these things with humility is just absolutely critical, that our hearts are right, that we aren't seeking these things to, to feel validated or important or useful. So according to scripture, back to our question of who gets them and how do we get them, the only requirements or conditions for receiving spiritual gifts is the prerequisite, well, first of all, obviously, like we said, of having God's spirit, but then just desiring and asking for them. That seems pretty simple, right? You got to want it, and you got to ask for it. 1 Corinthians 14 says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Like, want it. Do you want it? Do you want God to impart these to you, to use you in this way? We're supposed to want them. We're supposed to ask for them. Have you ever um, done one of those spiritual gifts inventories? You know, like where you take the quiz and it's like some really weird, obvious question like, do you randomly know things about people that you wouldn't, you don't know practically? Well, you have a gift of knowledge. Like, well, thanks, Captain Obvious, right? But some of these, they're, they're fine. They're okay. I, I find some of them a little too on the nose. But the main problem I see with them is that they're only actually helpful in identifying the gifts you already have and are moving in. And that's a little problematic, right? Well, the gifts you've already experienced are the ones that show up on there. And yet, it's completely possible that as we desire these gifts and ask for them, that the Holy Spirit gives us new ones that might not show up on that quiz that we just took yesterday. Okay? We have to long for them and ask for them and trust the Spirit to empower us afresh with additional gifts for whatever season or situation that he wants to empower us and use us in. And maybe we haven't experienced that before, and that's okay. That's the way this works. So let's be careful, guys, not to limit ourselves, because what the Spirit might want to do in us tomorrow might not be what he did in us yesterday. There might be something new he's giving or doing or working or stirring, okay? And so let's not have that mindset of, oh, no, 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 that's not a gift that I have. Mm, you can. He's God. He can give that to you. He can do that for you. And here's Matthew 7 that reminds us. 
ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And this is true of the gifts that he longs to give us. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? So if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Okay? Now, you want to hear something really crazy that scares me? Especially as a pastor, it makes me kind of nervous. There is no relationship whatsoever between a spiritual gift that is given to someone by God and their spiritual maturity. Yikes. Okay? Because that would be earning it. Right? This isn't like Super Mario. Where you got to get to like a certain level before you get this. Now, you know, this is one of those points where sometimes I think, God, are you really sure that you want to do that like that? <laughs> like that seems really risky and dangerous. But God is good. You know, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking that, you know, it, I get it that we don't have to earn them. We need to remember that. It's super important. But I'm, I'm kind of thinking, especially as a pastor, you know, maybe there should be some sort of, like, vetting process. <laughs> like, maybe there should be some sort of, like, spiritual gift learner's permit. <laughs> like, I'll pick on Karis here. When she was learning to drive, that permit, man... It's like they just let her get in that car and drive. Like she had to pass a test, but, oh. And she did good. She's got her license now. She went and bought me Capri Suns that I forgot to buy for the kids this week. And it's good. And it works out. And now, guys, you know, I, I'm being silly, but training is valuable. I'm not being down on training. I'm not being down on practicing and that kind of thing. Um, it, is, it is wisdom to learn to use your gifts well and to understand them. That's not what I'm saying. But it's not a prerequisite to God giving you spiritual gifts. You don't earn them. Because it's really not about you like that. Because really what these are for is to use for edification for the body. And that brings us to our next question. So what's the purpose of these gifts? And when I ask that, like I said, I'm not talking about um, the gifts individually. You know, each gift has its own purpose and its own use. Like, prophecy is to hear from God, you know, teaching is to train others and to, to bring them up, um, you know, knowledge and of God and his kingdom, you know, generosity is to provide really practical resources for the community and for the ministry and those sorts of things. What I mean by this is what is the purpose of these gifts as a whole? Why is this a thing that God does? Why does God give us these manifestations of his presence and his power? What's it for if it's not to build ourselves up and be known and have a name and feel valid in his kingdom? 1 Peter 4.11 says this, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. The main purpose of these is to glorify the gift giver, the one himself whose presence is in us doing these things. Now, can I tell you guys that when you give your time and your energy and those things to like, you know, teach, well, kids' churches and kids' churches up there now, you know, to teach in kids' church 
or to serve in the nursery or to run sound or to show up early and make coffee and do hospitality and provide a really welcoming, warming space for people who are coming in. Um, you know, it might feel like you're serving uh, to be nice to whatever poor shorthanded ministry leader asked you and begged you to serve. Because that's kind of how this seems to work so often in churches, right? <laughs> Thanks, Adam, for subbing in on sound this morning. But you're really serving in a God-given strength that brings glory to God. Yes, it blesses that ministry leader who's in charge of scheduling. Yes, it blesses us at when we can hear the worship and the kids when they learn about Jesus and those who come in and get a welcoming table. But you're honoring the Lord because they're, they're his gifts that you're offering to others, okay? And all those things I just mentioned, by the way, are areas where we do need more people who are willing to step in and offer their gifts. All of you have something to contribute. I heard a, um, this is kind of a, a side thing that wasn't in my notes, I thought of it this morning. I, I heard an illustration somewhere this week, and if it's, if it's you that shared it this week somehow with me, I apologize. I cannot remember what the source was or where I heard it or who said it. But I really loved it because it was talking about, you know, sometimes we think about Christian ministry or the body of Christ or service as like this tile wall. If one breaks, we can just pop that tile out and fit another one right in that's the same size and same shape and will serve the same function. But that's not how the body of Christ is. It's a body. It's more like a puzzle than a tile. Every puzzle is unique. It might have similar shapes, but it has a distinct place to fit, and it has a distinct image on it. And if that piece is missing, there's a hole, and there's something that's not completing the hole. And so we're not generic tiles that just can be popped out and replaced. You have an important part to play in the ministry in the body of Christ. And if you don't know what that is, we want to pray with you at the end and join you in asking him and helping you desire and want those things and long for them and then to ask him to give you those things and show you where you can put them to use. And listen, leaders especially, or those who aspire to leadership, we were just talking about this in a meeting that we had earlier this week. In the vineyard, leadership is servant leadership. So if you aspire to leadership or you are a leader, th like the servant part is critical. We're leaders to serve. Worship leaders, for example, need to lead the congregation as the lead worshipers. They're serving in worship, okay? And so anyone who wants to be a leader in the vineyard in any capacity needs to be a lead servant offering your gifts for the benefit and the edification of the body and service. Doing that builds up the body of Christ, which is the second main purpose of these gifts. The first is to glorify the gift giver himself. The second is to build up the body of Christ. Back to that 1 Corinthians 12, 7 verse that I said we would come back to. That's where we see this. But to each one is given the manifestation for the spirit of the spirit for what? For the common good. It's meant for the common good for all of us. So not only does the utilizations of the gift glorify the gift giver, it glorifies our Father with those gifts, but they are also for the good of one another in the body of Christ. Now listen, if you feel disconnected from the community of faith, if you feel like you're not a part and like something's not clicking or whatever, I, I just want to like humbly ask you, are you offering your gifts and service? Are you giving what you have that is meant to edify the rest of the body? Because it's really, really rare for us as pastors to have someone come up to us 
who is consistently serving and consistently offering their gifts and say to us, you know, I just feel really disconnected. I just don't feel a part of things. That really doesn't happen very often. If it does, there's something usually really bizarre going on. Because if you feel detached and you aren't serving in one way, that's likely a big part of the disconnect. There's something you have that's meant to be given and poured out. Your gifts are meant to be shared for the common good. And in doing that, we build one another up and we form these bonds and we become united in a common purpose of serving the body and glorifying our common love that's Jesus. And in that, we become connected with one another. Okay. We're doing great on time. So happy. Now, all right. I want everybody to wake up here, okay? If your mind has started wandering and you've gotten bored because you've heard spiritual gift sermons 800 times, I want this to be the moment where you come back, okay? I really want you to hear me here. Don't, dream, don't daydream anymore. Like, let's refocus because I'm about to give you one more purpose of these, and it's the one that I think, now they're all important. Glorifying God is important. Edifying and building up the body is important. But this one's really key for us, I think. Yeah, so I see all you like kind of squirming and moving. Okay, awesome. You with me? I want you to hear this. I'm actually ending with this point because I want this to be the thing that we walk out the door thinking and meditating on. Okay? I didn't want to have anything after this because I didn't want your mind to leave this point. I think this is something specifically for our body, maybe the whole church, but that we need to really sit with and get. Okay? So we often talk about proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel right tell me you've heard those words like in this church like we proclaim the gospel we demonstrate the gospel that is spot on that is right that is correct so what that means is that we tell people the good news of Jesus we share the gospel we tell them about Jesus and what he has done and who he is and then we want to demonstrate that good news that Jesus is alive and well and that his spirit is at work and by what it is that we do that we colloquially call doing the stuff, right? In the vineyard, that's the phrase we use. We, we do the stuff, which is like praying for people and seeing them healed, serving the poor, ministering in all sorts of different ways, meeting needs, deliverance, any of that stuff, okay? Which is basically operating in those signs and wonders, as the Bible talks about it, that will accompany those who believe, Okay, so that's good stuff. We proclaim and we demonstrate. Jesus did that. And so we tell people about it with our mouths, and then we show them about it with our actions, right? Both needed. Now, I want to add something else to this that I think we have overlooked to our great detriment and the detriment of the church and the people of God as a whole. And that is that we are called not only to proclaim with our mouths and demonstrate with our actions the gospel, but we are also called to embody the gospel with our lives. Let me give that one a moment to settle. What does that mean? Let me say it again. We are not only called to proclaim the gospel with our mouths, and demonstrate the gospel with our actions, but we are also called to embody the gospel with our lives. Like embody the, the gospel in our physical selves. And what this means is a deep sense of being gospel 
that is synchronous with the doing gospel that we've talked about a lot. But the proclaiming and the demonstrating is the doing. We have to have the being. That's the power cord. That's the life flowing out of us to empower the proclaiming and the demonstrating is the being the gospel, embodying it. Because if you have the spirit of God in you, that's the source. Is that making sense? We can't leave out the embodying the gospel. This is something that, and, and I know she already put this up here, this is something that like so profoundly struck me this week, and we just don't talk about it that way enough. Josh actually did talk about it a, a few weeks ago, and he used the word incarnate, like incarnation. And I know that makes us squirm a little bit because we usually only associate that word with Jesus himself, right? That Jesus was God incarnate. True. Yes. So I don't want you to get like hung up on that. That's why I use the word embody. But this struck me so much this week. I did. I kind of wanted to sneak in and like do this to our wall out there. You know, like we've got our mission statement, pursuing God's presence and practicing his, practicing his kingdom. But I wanted to like sneak out there and slide this edit in of pursuing God's presence, embodying the gospel and practicing his kingdom as a full continuum of who we are and what we want to be as believers and as a church body. It would be a real bummer that it messes up our alliteration. I like that. But hey. <laughs> We'll see. I need to run that one by Josh first. <laughs> Josh leaves and comes back. It's like, what have we done? No. So the word says that if we are in Christ, we are what? We are a new creation. That's right. Our new creation selves are kingdom vessels. Okay? We embody these kingdom attributes, these spiritual gifts. This is the embodiment of the gospel. So living out our Holy Spirit indwelled, because that's what he does, right? He indwells us as saved followers of Jesus. Living out our Holy Spirit indwelled and empowered new creation lives with that power cord plugged in and that battery in and on, fresh batteries, exercising our spiritual gifts, giving away these things that we didn't earn, that we didn't deserve, that we didn't have to level up to, right, that are meant not only for our good but for God's glory and the good of others is a primary way that we embody the gospel, that we embody the good news. Because what it says is, look, there's a person living with the power and the good gifts of God, and it points to the fact that there is a Savior who is a good father who gives good gifts, and look at the amazing things that this Savior is doing in the lives of his people that aren't for their own good and benefit in their own name, but that glorify him and that serve others. It's an embodiment of the good news of Jesus that we activate and operate in these gifts. And so, guys, why would we not want them? Why would we not ask for them? 1 Corinthians 12, 7, 7, again. It says that the gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit himself. That these things active in our life are proof he is in us and with us, that he is alive. Jesus, like I said, he is God incarnate. Yes? He is the fullness of the deity in human form. He is everything God is come in human form to accomplish his mission. But we as Christians, as 
little anointed ones, which is what the word Christian means, that we are little anointed ones, embody the good news of the anointed one. Okay? It is, it is not sacrilegious or blasphemous to say we have we are incarnate of the gospel because because of the incarnate Jesus his spirit in us does that make sense am I going to get any emails saying that I blasphemed this is important so guys if we actually love Jesus if we actually want to be like him what other response then can we have of just yes Jesus I want this I want to ask for this okay and that's I'm going to leave you on that point because I want us to really meditate and think on that this week Jesus what does that look like for me to embody your good news because there's a reason that your spirit is alive and well in me and there's a reason that your gifts are in me to pour out to others